I think my ambition was maybe highlighting things in other people that they maybe didn't have themselves or that they didn't have the confidence. This goes much deeper, like I've gone on to help my nan who's got Alzheimer's, write her story. Thank God I did that when I did because we launched that book 12 months ago. All of her memories, all of her, all of her stories, absolutely everything, my whole childhood and all of my granddad captured in there as well. 12 months later, we couldn't write that book today. I couldn't even write a page of that book with her today. Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I'm really excited about this because today we're going to be talking about determination and what you can do when you choose to say, no, actually, I don't believe in that. I'm going to do it anyway. And my guest today is the founder and co-owner of one of the UK's leading hybrid publishing companies, Authors & Co. She's also a mum of three. Her journey to where she is today is nothing short of remarkable. I find it incredibly inspiring. I know that we bonded over this story because we both get it as mums being told no so many times. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And we've both dug deep and found a way to be able to make it happen. So welcome to the podcast, Abigail Horn. Hi, thank you for having me on. Nick, what an absolute pleasure, honestly, to be asked. You know, I don't do many podcasts. It was a, (laughs) would you mind being on the podcast that I knew she wouldn't really want to do it? But actually, it's such an important conversation to have, though, in terms of when someone says no to you, you find a way to make it still work for you rather than just accepting that other people are putting those limits on you, isn't it? Yeah, I think it depends how much you want something. Just in your intro, you sort of mentioned the fact that I'm a mum. And I think for me, it was hearing some of those no's around what I could or couldn't do in my working life because I was a parent when it came to like flexible working and things like that. And it was just a big fat no from me, actually. (laughs) no, I'm not going to work full time. No, I'm not going to do 60 hours. No, I'm not going to commute four hours a day anymore. No, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to, I'm going to make my own way in this world. I love that. You turned their nose into, no, you can't have a high flying career and be the mum that you want to be. You turned it on its head in effect. And you showed them as well, didn't you? That it was possible, but that meant for you walking away from a steady income, from a career where you were highly respected, very young in terms of kind of, you know, you upper management, you were working in the energy sector, but you managed to just say, no, 
enough's enough. I need to be here for my child and I want to be able to see Ted grow up. I was chatting to somebody else about this last week. I think it was a case of not just sheer determination because it was what I wanted, sheer determination because there was no other answer. I was thinking this child at some point, I'd only got one at the time, is going to be going to school. Who is going to be doing those school runs? Who who is going to do them? Like if it's not me, if I'm leaving for work at seven o'clock in the morning, if I'm going in from work at six o'clock at night, who who is going to be there to do them? Now, I haven't got that uh, in my family. I haven't got that in sort of our immediate network of people that are going to be able to support that day in, day out. So the answer was me. So that determination came from a place of there isn't another option. And I think sometimes if you allow yourself lots of other options, you perhaps don't take as much action as maybe I did. Like when there are no other options on the table, like you've got to go do the thing. That's where I did. You've always had an entrepreneurial streak inside. Like there's always been a kind of, I want to do more and be more. And I think sometimes that has alienated you with other people. I know like your schooling days weren't the best near the end, but actually what it's also given you is like that foundation that's just like, I can't do this. I can rely on me. Schooling is a hard one to look back to because, like you say, I, I didn't finish school. I didn't leave um, sort of with that warm feeling that other people leave on that last day. Um, but when I went into the world of work, which was an environment that suited me much more than an educational environment, I was very ambitious very early on. So as a 17-year-old, I wanted to climb the ranks. At 18, I was the youngest manager in the whole of with the whole of Europe for the massive organization that I was working for. And I think it's fair to say that made me unpopular, actually, quite quickly. Not because I was ambitious and ruthless where I would step on anyone's toes. You know me, Nick, like I'm the most gentle soul. It was more people that were older than me actually didn't want to take advice, instruction from an 18-year-old. And and that was my experience. I'm too young. What does she know? And I was just very ambitious. The entrepreneurial thing came a little bit later, but I was always the person who was determined to do well from a very young age. And I think that comes across in your work ethic as well. It's that not afraid to put in the hard nine yards to kind of get to where you want to get. I always remember when I was starting out in broadcasting, a very senior manager who was like head of like, you know, several radio stations came up to me and he said, you're the most ambitious person I know. But the thing is, why do we feel threatened by ambition? Why can we not harness that to actually enable people to shine, enable them to fulfill their true potential? What is it that keeps some of those senior people or the, you know, they were slightly older, but they were feeling threatened by you? Why can we not just accept people how they are? I think my ambition was maybe highlighting things in other people that they maybe didn't have themselves or that they didn't have the confidence or I'll, I'll, I'll put a spin on this as well thinking about where I'm at in my life today as opposed to where I was at in my life then maybe they wanted to do more but were restricted themselves they weren't able to be ambitious as opposed to not wanting me to be ambitious, because I, that is me now. That is me today. The difference in me today, having three children versus the me with one child is 
totally different because there are restrictions around me now that mean I can't go after all the things. I can't do all the things. I've completely left this hustle culture behind me. And predominantly I am mum and work fits in around sort of being mum. Whereas back then, maybe I I either wasn't a mum or I was fitting in mumming around like growing this business. So I've sort of flipped things on, on its head. And I guess that that doesn't mean I'm not determined. It means that I'm sort of compartmentalizing where I'm at in my life now and saying, this is who I need to be today. And maybe looking back that some of the people that weren't nurturing that ambition in me when I was younger, maybe just couldn't nurture that ambition in themselves at that point in time. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at it. You've always had a love, as I have, of books. Everything about you is book related. We know obviously that's what you do now as your business. Talk to me about a pivotal moment in your life when you first realized that a book could change something for you. Oh, it's so hard to pinpoint one moment because I am literally the person who has been shaped by books. So I did a post about this the other day and and it's something I've started to speak about more and more. I wasn't the person who left a working environment able just to pay for mentoring and coaching and somebody that could immediately spend sort of hundreds and thousands of pounds on self-development to help me become the person I am today. That wasn't my life. That wasn't my budget. So everything that I learned to create the ability to make money online was learned from books. So I guess it's not been a situation where one book has changed my life, but multiple books over years and years and years have done two things. Either with fiction, helped me escape from the things that I'm feeling and the problems that I'm facing and supporting my mental health, or nonfiction books have helped me get better at certain things, improve my skills in certain areas, or help me let go of parts of me as well. So nonfiction has been my development tool before I was able to afford the other things that can then go in and and support that knowledge as well. So it's definitely not been one book, but more layers upon layers of reading that has helped me become who I am. And I think your eyes were also open to the important role that a book actually plays in terms of leaving a legacy. And and that was through the passing of your beloved granddad. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So that moment was when I knew that the, the publishing company had to be brought to life and specifically for people who just didn't think they were the sort of person that could write a book because we all kind of put that emphasis on celebrities write books, famous people write books, notable people write books, but it's not for me. I'm not good enough to write a book. And when my granddad was diagnosed with cancer, I immediately wanted him to capture his life story. I wanted him to write down all these little things that I could always remember. And it wasn't because in that moment that I believed that he wouldn't survive. It's just one of those moments that puts a rocket up you to say, nobody's guaranteed to. So I kind of want to, I want to capture all these things. My granddad wasn't really having any of it. He was like, I'm going to be fine. This is going to be fine. Don't make me write this down or else you're going to make me feel like I can't beat it. So I backed off but he didn't beat it. And he's not here. And I'd bought a very specific journal for writing all these things down where we've got all these questions at the top and all of these questions are unanswered. 
blank page after blank page after blank page. And that breaks my heart that he had so much wisdom and so much knowledge that I would love to give to my children now. So take businesses out of it for a second, just like from a personal perspective, I wish I'd have got those things written down. And there's this real defining moment where because of the sort of cancer that he'd got, it's been a lot of it in the family, I had to have genetic counselling to sort of say, my chances might not be great in the future. And that's a hard thing to deal with at such a young age. Part of this genetic counselling sort of session, they show you your family tree and who's had what, and it's all very matter of fact. And these people are just like names in a box with red lines crossed through them saying deceased and the thing that they died of. And in this moment, I'm kind of looking at this screen and I'm seeing his name, Edward Hand, deceased, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I'm like, this isn't his legacy. Is this what people in the future are going to see? Is this all they're going to know? Like a name and what he died of? Like this guy was my everything. And he's a huge part of who I am today. Yet his story and his knowledge is not in that box, but it's not in the book because we didn't finish writing it. So in this moment, I decided I'm going to help people leave their legacy and become more than a name in a box. I am more than a name in a box. And I, and I tell you, sadly, that day will come where I, I am on that, that family tree, that, that the person that's no longer here. That isn't what I'm going to be known for. I'm going to be known for all of the good that I've done in the work and what I stood for. And it's written in so many different places, but a book being one of them to help other people write their legacy. Like I've already left that. And I know that you know this goes much deeper. Like I've gone on to help my nan who's got Alzheimer's write her story. And thank God, Nick, Thank God I did that when I did, because we launched that book 12 months ago. All of her memories, all of her, all of her stories, absolutely everything, my whole childhood and all of my granddad captured in there as well. 12 months later, we couldn't write that book today. I couldn't even write a page of that book with her today. It just shows you, doesn't it, the power of recording everything. But you started Authors & Co because you wanted to be able to inspire others. But the fact that you have been able to capture your granddad's story through your nan. So that has, it's kind of come full circle, but you learn in the way that obviously everything happened uh, very sadly. You've now gone on and you can tell me how many authors, because I, I've i lost count of how many people you have now been able to help them publish their books as well and bring out their expertise into the world. How many is it now? Over 600 now. So very specifically in this non-fiction space of either sharing their personal stories or sharing their expertise and knowledge in books that we would call brand positioning books, where these people have put themselves above the parapet and said, I'm here, I'm good enough. And this is why you should listen to me. This is why you should work with me. This is why you should come into my world because this is what I can help you with. Like you said, when you were first starting out and you couldn't afford to work one-on-one with a coach or go into any group programs or anything else, it was those books, it was the non-fiction titles that you would pick up that you would be able to get the knowledge from, be able to tap into people's expertise and be able to get what you needed in that moment in time to be like, right, okay. So what they're saying is X, Y, Z. 
And then you can go away and then implement that to be able to then go off and solve whatever issue that you might have. It's a massive part of the ripple effect, isn't it? It's a massive part of being able to impact others. It is. And I'm so grateful, not just to to the 600 authors that I've worked with, but all authors out there that have taken the time to write a great book, that have put put everything that they've got into it into a book. They haven't just... I'm not talking about people that just flash something out there overnight just to as a, as a lead generating exercise. I'm not talking about those books. I'm talking about the people who deeply connected with what they were writing to make a difference in this world, that did it properly, that did it in the right way. Like those people have helped so many, probably hundreds of thousands of us that couldn't access them at any other point, get the information that we needed. And I was talking about it only last week. There seems to have become this culture of high ticket clients, high ticket clients, like everybody wants the high ticket clients. I'm so grateful for the people that wrote books, for those of us that could only afford low ticket at the time. And because of my gratitude to them, I became their high ticket client over time. They give me enough in a book to get started, to help me start making money, which meant that I could earn more money, save more money and invest in them in a bigger way in time. I think people overlook that sometimes that, Actually, if you give somebody a book, like it's like the saying, you know, give somebody the tools, right? Like over time, it's the ripple effect is absolutely massive. And I think although we think, oh, hang on a second, you know, business books and nonfiction titles, for me, I got stuck at this. I always remember this. I was very much like, why would I want to write a book about PR? PR is like very dull. And why would you want to do that? But actually, It took a conversation with someone on your team who just said, well, what are you trying to achieve with what it is that you're doing? And it made me just think, well, actually, all I want to do is be able to help people strategically through storytelling, be able to impact the lives of others. And when you look at it like that, that's actually quite an interesting way to look at things. But I think that's what, when you get down to actually writing a business book or of any sort, or if you're reading one or you're listening to one on Audible, however you best learn or take in information, it's the wider messaging. So for the author, it's actually helping them with their positioning and getting that clarity around the messaging. But for the people listening as well, they're also just absorbing all of that amazing like expertise that's kind of coming at them. Absolutely. Anybody can feel that their topic is dry. Please don't think that you were the only one that's felt that. Over time, people like, seriously, who is going to want to read a book about this? But realistically, Nick, you haven't got to answer this question. It's more just to put the thought out there. How many people pay to work with you for PR? It's no different. It's no different. My book is about writing a nonfiction book. Now, for those who've got no interest in that, what a dry book. Yet thousands upon thousands of people have bought copies of this book because what they need is help writing a book. So to them, it's pure gold. The topic is always going to feel dry, but it's not dry to the person that needs that topic. And it's finding your people. So that is what's so important. But as part of the whole, you know, non-fiction books, you might just think, right, okay, so a lot of them are very much like, you know, they're just telling this. But as part of it, I always think the most successful ones 
tell stories so they're mm-hmm. telling the stories as they go through they're not just saying right do this do this do this do this they highlight other people's stories they're always the ones that I love the most the ones that do that as they go through how important is that part of writing a business book? Nick, we are bonded sisters for life in this view on like storytelling. I think it's so interesting that people don't always see like just how important it is. I'll, let me give you an example. On a daily basis, people will tell me that they love the way that I write on social media and they wish that they could write like that. This isn't a skill that I've been taught. This isn't a class that I've been on. This isn't a course that I've done. I'm just sharing with you real life stories of me, of my clients, of life. Like I'm just a natural storyteller instead of telling you just factual information. And I do that sometimes. Sometimes it's important just to get the message across. I'm putting context around it, which means that people can relate to that information. And not everyone will relate, but we're not writing for everybody at every point in time. We're writing for different people at different points in time. So when it comes to putting information in a book, I think there's two different sorts of books that you can write. And there's a blend of the both. And there's a blend that really works. So expository nonfiction being your how-to, do this, do that, do the other. There is narrative nonfiction, which is all storytelling. It's all very sort of um, the closest you'll get to fiction, but it being true life. And then there's a bit of a mixture, a bit of a hybrid of, I'm going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to put some narrative around that to make it sink in, to let it sit with you in a different way. So you can sort of open your mind to why it is I'm telling you that that will work. So that's always going to sit better with people. It does, doesn't it? And I think it is that storytelling element. It just brings things to life. I mean, you know, we we get it. We completely get it. But if you're listening to this podcast, you need to open yourself up so that you are doing this, as Abby does, in everyday social media posts, in connecting with your audience when you send emails to them, all of these things, storytelling should be part and parcel of every single thing that you do. I think if you want to be successful in this space, and I don't say successful as in the person who makes the most money, but the person who can consistently make money, um, the person who can consistently just remain in this sort of self-employed world because people buy from people that they can connect with. And I know there's this whole no like, and trust thing, but there ultimately has to be a connection between you and them and people connect through stories. That's why back in the day, people would be sitting around the campfire telling stories as the reason that storytelling just goes back from today dots. Um, and if you really want to connect with people, I think just how to isn't quite enough. I think there has to be a sort of a, a, a deeper connection than that. Yeah, definitely. And it, it definitely impacts other people's lives. I've started yeah. doing 5k walks every morning with the dog. We go out early doors, avoiding the heat. But as part of that, I'm listening to podcasts, but also audible books and listening to books on audio, I find that I'm just taking in the author's voice, that that what they've got to say. It's almost like they're tutoring you through what it is that you've got to do. And I'm also a fan of actually having like paperback, hard 
cover copies of books because I love turning pages. But I, I, I get it's that thing, isn't it, in this day and age. However you can actually get your information, find a way that works for you. Absolutely. I think it's looking at people from an accessibility perspective as well. Like what kind of format is going to suit them? So for me, and I know you know this, I am a reader. I process information by physically reading it, whether that be on a screen, so reading something online, or whether that be reading like a paperback book. But unless I can read it, it doesn't really sink in. Not So listening because of my auditory processing abilities, doesn't help me in the same way. So for example, if I was going to listen to this podcast, I would do that, but I would also read the transcript notes as well, because that would help cement the information. So that's how I access info. Some people are not readers at all. So the fact that they can listen to podcasts, audiobooks is like the only way that they can take in that information. But what's important to know with an audiobook is it doesn't start its life as an audiobook. It starts its life as a written book. You can only record an audiobook if you've written the book first. So I think from an author perspective, you're still going to have to write the book. What books actually do, if you do get around to writing one for yourself, is they open up doors. You and I have seen it on so many occasions, like how many doors have been opened up to people because they've taken that first step, that first leap to actually write a book. They've been invited on to stages. They may have gone on to secure traditional publishing deals or whatever else it is. They might have set their mind that they want to work with a particular corporate company. Well, that's come about because they've written a book, because what they've done is they've actually written down their expertise. And then everyone else is just like, well, hang on a second. Well, this person really is an expert because they have written a book. It carries so much weight, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Do you know, even though I say this, even though this is my marketing message, even though these are like the conversations that I have day in, day out, authors will still come back to me after their book launch and go, oh my God, you won't believe what's happened. I was like, of course, I'm going to believe what's happened. I told you this was going to happen. And it's as if people don't believe it till they see it with their own eyes. And I get that. I get that, right? They, they want that experience themselves. But it is the biggest door opener that you will ever have in your business. There's a reason that all of the people and you'll, you'll see, well, you know, you, you know, because you put these people on the news. The experts that you see on the news that they have brought on to give an expert opinion, have got their books propped up in the background for everybody to see. And the reason that they've been able to get those slots is because the book is there supporting them. They are the expert to give their thoughts on this matter because they wrote the book on this topic. And you know that because you're putting them on the news with these books in the background. I think that's the thing. Like books, becoming an author and PR, it's just so interlinked. You can't really separate it and we don't separate it. We talk to people all the way through their book process that PR should be a part of their bigger picture stuff because there's writing the book and then there's getting the book out there, right? So there's like, it's it's a two-pronged approach. Yeah, very much so. And I think as much as people will concentrate on, right, okay, I've got to get this book, I've got to get my message out there, all the rest of it. And then I think we have seen it ourselves, like both of us have seen it, where people just make the mistake that they go, I've written the book. There you go. Everything's fine. But actually, you have to market the book as well, don't you? 
Yeah, I think it's it's one of the most soul destroying thing for us. Not just me, but everybody in the company because like we are invested in these authors and we are rooting for like what they are going to do. There is nothing more soul destroying for us than when we see that their excitement and they they launch it and we've got this big launch day going on and hurrah, the books out there. And it's the heartbreaking moment when they then don't want to do anything else with it. It's like, oh my God, this book is going to work for you like a Duracell bunny if you just give it the batteries. Like <laughs> we just we just need you to, to, to give it what it needs, give it that push, give it that constant talking about. Some people don't and PR falls into that, like this whole then marketing campaign that can come around a book. It's invaluable. Yeah, it really is. And I, I know it definitely helped me when I was looking to get my book out there, you know, doing the big launch. And obviously mine was online at the time, but it gets more people aware that you actually have a book and that you've written a book. Abby, if there are people are thinking about, well, hang on a second, I think I would like to know more about how this could all work, how those doors could start to open for me. Where can they find you? If you want to follow me for like personal and work stuff my facebook is way more interactive than instagram it's just like the, 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 it's like home to me on facebook so i am um, just look me up abigail horn and you'll find me on there but if you are not so interested in me but you're interested in what we do i am um, at authors and co my website is like a wealth of information and free stuff that will support you um and that is um authors and co dot pub as in publishing um, and that will just help you with everything from in book publishing terms and at the moment the doors are open to the one program which is very exciting tell us a little bit about the one program the one program is a way of us giving a group of people um information to make it more accessible for them than working with us one-to-one on every aspect that they could need when it comes to writing and publishing their own non-fiction book. So anybody who wants to share their personal stories or anybody that wants to share their expertise in a sort of brand positioning book. So not kid stuff, not not fiction, very much so based on non-fiction. It is what people have referred to throughout this year from when we launched it last year as one of the best courses that they have ever done. And a few people have said it is the best one that they've ever done. It is so in-depth. This is not, let's flash a book out and bang it out there. This is not what it is. This is how to write the right book for your brand and how to write a great book that is going to last, (laughs) that is going to serve you over time. What I found as well, because I've done the programme, but what I found more than anything else was what an amazing funnel my book then became in terms of attracting people into my world. I've seen clients who previously hadn't even heard of me say, I found you via your book. I read your book. Now can I become a client and spend thousands of pounds with you? So that is like, it's a real life kind of thing that happens all of the time. And I've lost count of the number of times where I've walked into an event or something else. And people might not have met me before or anything else, but always the opener is I've read your book. And then that's just like the, the icebreaker 
moment when you walk in. Absolutely. And this is how my business runs. It's so interesting to me that it it shocks people when I say that, when this is what I teach other people, but I I am the walking, talking advert for what it is that I do. My book does all the groundwork for me. It opens all those doors for me, not just with like media opportunities, but with clients. Like that's, that's the point. So the reason you couldn't get me on this podcast last week when you wanted me is because I was absolutely chock-a-block. I'd had six weeks off work just enjoying the summer with the children but you haven't seen me post about work you haven't because I haven't been posting about work yet my diary was full of inquiry calls for the week that I got back which is why you've had to interview me this week because my book has been working for me whilst I haven't been working that's the point that right there is when we were talking about determination to get to where you want to be you had in your mind that you wanted to go off and prove to those senior managers that you could be a success and you could also be a mum. Is this it? Is this your kind of like, actually, do you know what? I've just been able to take six weeks off and I come back and now all of this is fitting into place. This feels bigger than the stuff other people might have thought were my most successful moments. I have had some big moments in my career since leaving the corporate world. I've stood on stages and won incredible awards. I've received massive financial bonuses, like for some of the incredible things that I've done. Um, There's so many, right? I've stood on stages in front of tens of thousands of people being paid as a speaker. So there have been some real moments of, wow, what the hell has she gone on and done yet? To me, all of those things were during the hustle. This feels like success now. The time where I'm at my most quiet, where I don't post about work a lot, where I don't tell you really what I'm achieving because I don't really feel any need to. But my life is so balanced. Like it's so, every day is happy because I've got time. That that was the thing for me. That's all I ever truly wanted in the first place. So it's interesting because they may have thought that they were my successful moments, yet now these feel like my success successful moments, probably because not many people can see them because I don't feel the need to be showing all the stuff anymore. But you've been able to create those successful moments yeah. by helping others share yeah. their knowledge so that then they can go on and impact others. Absolutely that. Absolutely brilliant to have you with us. I'm so glad that you said yes and got over the fact that you don't really like doing podcast interviews can I say why though I don't want people to think I'm miserable and just not ask me like I said to you when I got on here it's so hard for me to find a quiet space in this house like when I say I live in a zoo with these three children two dogs two guinea pigs it is a it is a madhouse and that's the way that I love it but doing podcasts in a madhouse not so easy <laughs> we got there though we got there and, we got there <laughs> and if you've enjoyed listening today don't forget to rate and review the podcast it's always great to spread that word keep that ripple effect going so that more people can find out about what we're doing until next time see you later <laughs> <laughs>